0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have the pleasure of having Jimbo Clark join me today. Jimbo. Welcome to the show.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: So, Jimbo, you are based, not based in Taiwan. You live in Taiwan. When I say someone's yeah. based somewhere, it makes me think of like a corporation or something, which you, know, yeah. you are a corporation in your own right.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I, I came here just out of college, 30, 35 years ago.
0: And you just what what happened? How did you end up there? How did your speaking career get started?
1: Um well actually there's a little bit of an overlap because I started speaking in church. I mean I think a lot of people start you know singing in church, speaking in church. I started um,
0: speaking. Singing was another story. I did sing <laughs> in the
1: choir.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. and it was not pretty.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I I got so I got I went to a Christian school in Seattle area and um my senior year I tried out for like the 14 voice ensemble. And I made it not because I could sing, but because I could talk. And Ooh. so the choir director told me, you know, your job is to do the last introduction, you know, so we're going to sing 10, so we go to all these churches, we're going to sing eight to 10 songs, you got the last introduction to the last song, and the rest of the time I'm just going to leave your microphone off. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> so, so my job my job was to pull it all together and to say something that was, you know, kind of Motivational, and that could you know introduce this next song and 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 bring some emotion to it, and um and I would at the end of these little mini concerts, I had people come up and say, "Son, you got the gift of exhortation," you know these you know, and so you just kind of start believing when people start telling you, "Hey, that was really you really touched me. Uh, I thought what you said today was really really important," and um you start believing it, and uh, when you start believing it, you look for other opportunities to do it.
0: I'm telling you, that is brilliant. I, I, I That is absolutely brilliant how they mm. they work your talent and your strength into the choir. Now, yeah. you said how when people start walking up to you and telling you stuff, you should mm. believe it. I want us to talk a little bit more about that because oftentimes people think they don't have a message. There's nothing anybody wants to hear from them. How can they get past that? Because you were young and people were telling you, you've got this gift and, and you embraced it. How do people do a better job of embracing a talent or a gift that everybody else sees, but they can't
1: seem to see? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I, I want to say I still, I still have times where before I'm getting ready to go on, I'm asking myself what am I doing here? You know, I, I'm, I do a lot of work with, you know, senior executive teams, um, super intelligent people that are really, you know, on their game and they're bringing me in to help. And so, so the first thing I would say is um, if you are questioning whether or not you have the right to hold the microphone, that probably means that you're just learning. And, and so I've got my little things I do I got three things that, that I say to myself. Number one is, today, there's no one else in the world that can do a better job than me, because I'm the one who gets the microphone. And for whatever reason, I'm here, and there's no one in the world, no one in the world that's better qualified for today than me, because I'm here. And that's one thing I say that kind of like help me, help me say it, you know, things are pretty good. The second one is um, I remind myself that I have invested in practice, you know, and and so so I remind myself that I'm not just coming up here and totally extemporaneous. Of course, about 70% still is flow, but I remind myself that, hey. You thought about this, and you got something to say, and it may not be this, that, or the other thing, but it's it's mine. And then the third thing is something my wife told me once, and I was a little freaked out. She goes, "Well, in general, people like you." Um, and so I think throughout my life it's been these kinds of things. It's been this realization that no one is coming to save me. I've held up my hand. I've made the offer. I've said yes. So intuitively there must be some reason I'm here. And then I guess I had I had one guy tell me this one time when I was kind of, you know, and he goes, "Playing small doesn't serve anybody."
0: Hello. Say that again. High five. Playing small amen. doesn't serve
1: anybody, right? And so it's 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 uh, you know, you're trying to find a you're hedging your emotional bets. When you when you do that, you're saying, "Well, maybe Maybe it won't be that so that great, so then, if it's not that great, then i I wasn't expecting that. so, so yeah, I think um i th- I think I think it really is something about just going out there and doing it yeah that that that, that makes it that, that kind of pops the bubble of of you know, can I do it? Well, once you've done it, the answer is yes.
0: Right, right. And it's about going out there and giving the audience the experience you would want to have if you were sitting out there. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: mean, that's one of the things I try to wrap my mind around. I Mm. started going to a lot of conferences and all kinds of professional development Mm -hmm. in, in the early 2000s, I guess, maybe around Oh two o three o four, something like that. I've really started started immersing yep. myself in a lot of learning, and I'm sitting there and I'm at these sessions in these sessions, and I'm watching the speakers and i'm for whatever reason, my brain is saying, well, that would have been so much more impactful if he had done x, oh, that yeah. would have been so much more effective if she had let us do y. Right, yeah. and and so I try to craft a presentation and think about the pacing based on what I'd want to see in the audience if I was yeah. you know yeah,' idea oh, well, well,
1: for sure, and and I hate to say it, this this is going to make me sound a little bit precious, but when I go to conferences now, I always sit next to the door because it's my time and and at about five minutes in, I'll know whether or not I'm learning or if I'm you know just surviving. And and I used to be I used to think I needed to be polite, but then I realized no, this is just feedback to them, and I would rather sit by the I would rather sit with people out by the uh, the break room, and have a real conversation, um, than than not being engaged uh, and not having my, you know, the emotions, not having the wonder, not having the curiosity, and quite often not getting to know the speaker, and because that's the other thing, you know. The most, to me, I think the most important thing is to to dig deep and find yourself. Find, 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 you know, put yourself out there. Um, People will put up with a lot if you're being real.
0: Oh, yes. That's their favorite part. Let me tell you, Jim, I was in New Orleans late October 2022. And of course, like you said, I have my plan in my head. I've practiced. I know exactly what I'm presenting. I know exactly what's going to happen when. But then at points throughout my presentation, I will ask for feedback from the audience, whether it's I'm presenting a a chunk of information and how are you going to use this? How will you tweak Mm. this? How is this going to make a difference, right? And it's during those unscripted moments where I'm being real and people often comment on it in the feedback, in the post-event evals, They'll say it was when she dropped the script. You know, they don't say dropped the
1: script, but you yeah. know what they're saying. Yeah.
0: And, and she was just Bridget. That's what they remember the most. Of course. Of course. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think with, what, um, so in 20, 2020, I, I, living in Taiwan, 2020, we were the only place in the world that we could still gather, like in May. and eight, we, didn't have, we didn't have lockdown because COVID didn't exist here for a while. And so I decided I was going to learn how to do stand up. <laughs> I thought how hard can stand up be, right? You know, a friend of mine was went to an, yeah, a friend of mine had an open mic and I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm in one of the few places in the entire world that has an open mic. I should get on the list. And you know what? I bombed. I you know, there's such a difference between being humorous at a party and having a stand up set. And, and I forgot what I was going to say. I, I got flustered. People didn't laugh when I thought they were going to. And I tell you what, for six weeks, I went every week until I finally had a set that I could feel comfortable in where I thought, okay, at least I got my, I got my jokes off. And, you know, were they all funny? No. But it was the sense of I did not like the fact that I couldn't master the audience. You know what I mean? And so that's the other thing that you got. That's why I really appreciate what you said. You got to really think in the audience's uh, perspective. And like, for example, I, 90% of my speaking is international. Mm-hmm. Um, because I live in Taiwan. And so it depends on what you call international, but 90% is out of America. And 90% is out of Taiwan. So China, Hong Kong, Singapore, Europe, you know, all this, guess what? Every audience is different and every audience is made of humans. And so it's the same, right? Um, and so those things about pacing, those things about uh, gestures, um, you know, they, there is a difference where you are in the world, but the one thing that, that is always the same is authenticity and, and, and vulnerability. You know, and so I think when speakers get up there and really say what's important to them and put their put their soul out, I said, let your light shine. They let their light shine out. Instead of the makeup, you know, right, <laughs>
0: they're right, putting right,
1: themselves right. out there, um, they're, they're going to be fine, they're going to be fine, uh, it's it's when you think when you think the power is in the language. Or in the word choice, that's when you're in trouble because then you start memorizing, and then as soon as you go out, that's that's what I was doing when I was trying to do these jokes on in, in um, you know in this in this uh, stand up, um, I had to actually memorize my routine <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> enough mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. that I could get through it, but then I had to be flexible enough so I could play with the audience, right? Um, and then as soon as I did it, I stopped because I realized, man, this takes too much time. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of time. Um, but yeah, being real, being 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 uh vulnerable, uh, and putting yourself into the in the audience, I think all of these are 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 super important parts of it. Yeah. The, and humor.
0: Yes, yes. There's so much mm-hmm. you touched on with that answer that I'm going mm. to pick back up, but I've got mm. to introduce you to the audience. Jimbo Clark is an accomplished public speaker, professional speaker, and he has presented at or hosted numerous events, hundreds if not thousands of them, including hosting the HR Directors Conference in Hong Kong and Beijing, presenting keynote addresses for conferences like the Philippine Society of Training and Development, and in companies like Nike and New York Life. Jimbo delivers programs in both English And Chinese. Now, having said that, his English, he says, is better than his Chinese. So when he delivers in Chinese, he will always have a Chinese-speaking co-facilitator who shares the communication load with him. Very smart man. You said, master the audience. That was your driving force behind the improv, if you will. Because I was going to ask you, how did you keep taking yourself back to a place where you did not feel like you had been successful on the stage? And you said it was about mastering the audience. And for Mm. listeners, I want that to be your challenge. I want you to say to yourself, just because it didn't work out that first time, Yep. Don't, I mean, that's just your warm up. Mm-hmm. I want you to challenge yourself. If you need some kind of a barometer, it's going to be are you getting the audience moving, thinking, feeling in some kind of way? They don't have to be on their feet and stomping mm-hmm. and screaming or whatever, but you can see it in your, their eyes. You can see it in their body language. You can tell if they're leaning in. Are they taking notes? Are they in deep thought? Are they asking questions? Are they coming up to you afterwards? And I want that to be your personal challenge to master the audience, not so much about language, not so much about a script, but it's about mastering that audience. And Jimbo, when you said, (laughs) when you said, let your light shine, I thought to myself, if Jimbo and I could sing, I know we would have broken out into uh this little (laughs) We would have broken out singing yeah. this is
1: the light of mine. <laughs> I sing in my heart, I sing in my heart, uh yeah, yeah, and I guess there's one other thing um, so I just finished uh, two days of program where i'm so part of what I do is also help help uh leadership teams with strategic planning, so we'll do like a two d two day where are we going? how are we getting there um and my goal with every audience and this again, this sounds a little weird, maybe. My goal is not for them to fall in love with me. My goal is for me to fall in love with them. Mm-hmm. And and so, and, and I really mean that. I, and, and it's it's a little harder if it's like a fifteen minute, twenty minute, uh, uh, like keynote. Where there's a big group of people. But even then, you, if 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 I am walking into this engagement, like getting engaged, it's like speaking engagement with uh, the goal of me falling in love with this audience. Then, you know, whether they really understand my language or not, you'd be surprised how many times how many times I've spoken to groups, you know, th- that, you know, maybe they didn't speak English very well or Chinese, you know, and I'm in Sri Lanka, I'm in uh, India, I'm in, you know, uh, gosh, all kinds of places. And so then it's just about, okay, so... I want to I fall in love with this audience, so I'm going to have to use all my body. I'm going to have to use everything I can to pull out the best of them. Yeah. Um, and what you'll find if, if you fall in love with them, uh, some, of, some of them will fall back in love with you.
0: I think there's something magical about the power of a smile, a quick story. Mm. My husband works in transportation Mm. and when I met him, he was in his early 20s and he is such a hard worker. He's at work now. It's almost 6 a.m. Arizona time. And he he works this 12 hour shift. It's crazy from 6pm to 6am, but I'm digressing. So when I met him, he was in his early 20s, he would uh, work a split shift in the city of Houston driving for Metro operating, but oh not drive. They don't drive buses, they operate buses, I should know this after knowing him for 20 plus years, mm. he would operate buses from about five in the morning until eight in the morning or nine in the morning, then he would go to class at Texas Southern University. And then he would go and operate a split shift uh, from mm. about 4pm until 8pm. Wow. So he would he worked full time and attended school full time. So anyway, he's often mistaken for somebody from India and we cannot understand why, like he doesn't look Indian to me, but whatever, I guess he's got that exotic (laughs) look. So, (laughs) and he's very friendly. And so one time he told me he had essentially a full on conversation with this man in his native language, (laughs) because he's sitting there nodding his head and smiling and giggling at the right time.
1: Yep. Yep it's all about i I used to have i used to go to japan and do the same thing and in japan if you if you know three things (laughs) the oh so 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 honto nay so ne as they're talking you just throw in it's like oh really oh my gosh you know and then they just keep talking (laughs) and um yeah you can always make people feel more comfortable than your language ability well like
0: you were saying earlier it's not so much about the language it's and and for me I think about it's how you make people feel and right Mm. people will forget the exact words that you said but they'll remember what it was that Mm. was inside of them as they were engaging Mm. with you and so there's just something about that power of a smile and that engagement and that connection now I know a question that listeners are going to have is going to be this one as we listen to your international travels and speaking Mm. what is it that you speak on that positions positions you to be able to go to all these different places Mm. and have this message that's received by so many
1: people um so it was just after the financial crisis 2008-2009 Um, And I had a client that asked me if I could do a training on out-of-the-box thinking. He said that, you know, uh, we're coming out of the financial crisis and everybody wants to go back to the way things were instead of thinking creatively about how we need to be in the future. Sounds familiar. Um, Can you do a training on out-of-the-box thinking? Of course, like every good speaker, every good presenter, every good trainer, if someone asks you, you say, why? Yes, it's what I do best. Um, Because after you do it once, it will be. And so I was sitting in my in my desk and I was thinking, oh God, if we're doing out of the box thinking, what's the box? And there was an empty box next to my desk and I stuck it on my head. And I said, so this is in the box thinking and this is out of the box thinking in the box, out of the box. And I was like, mmm, I will put boxes upon their heads. You know, And, we'll, and so, so I brought cardboard and box cutters and markers and tape. And, and I made them put boxes on their heads. I made them throw balls to each other with boxes on their heads. I did all this crazy stuff because I wanted to see, this is in the box, this is out of the box. So let's take this metaphor literally and think, how am I thinking in my box and how am I thinking out? So since then, 30,000 people have put boxes on their heads around the world. And I've trained up over 200 people to uh, do it. So I've got a, uh, you know, I, I have my own little box that I, that I use. And so in my speaking engagements now, um, I actually get people to put the box on their head and take the box off their head and do some reflection and break the box, tear it, you know, um, because I think that there's something really emotional that happens when we touch things, when we hold things, when we fold things, when we tear things. Something very emotional happens when we stick things on our heads, when we take them off. Um, and so, yeah, so so I've uh, I've been really, really fortunate to, to have stumbled upon this idea of thinking out of the box. And then I just did the, I mean, I mean, it's like anything, right? Hundreds of times, you know. Cutting boxes myself before I got them printed and everything, because I just knew there's something inside there, and it, it really took a long time to kind of tease tease out the message. Um, but now, yeah, now I've got a uh, literally, I just mailed a hundred boxes to someone in China today with a new a new facilitator that I've trained up, um, who who uses the the box to, with uh, agile thinking and help people. Uh, so it's all about mindset change. And that's, mm-hmm. that's 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 what I've I've used as my ticket around the world is uh, I'm the uh, I'm the box guy.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And that client saw something in you when putting that challenge yeah. in front of you. That challenge. That client knew you could take it on for whatever reason. And so yeah. here's another charge for listeners: if someone mm. comes to you and asks you. About Mm. presenting on something, do not be so quick to say no. I'm not Mm. saying immediately say yes right there on the spot, but at least say, let me think on that. It's not a no, but let me think on that and go and noodle on it. Go talk to someone about it, brainstorm about it, but that person sees something in you and believes that you can do a knock up, bang up, stellar job on that topic. You just have to do a little yeah. bit of research and add in your personality yeah. and you've got it. Yeah. Don't say no.
1: <laughs> I agree. I, I I think that's really, really important, Bridget. I think we sell ourselves short all the time. Um in fact, just here's a here's a story. So in in the box, one of the first things we do is we have people draw the front of their box, and I just I tell them, okay, I just want you to make the box obviously yours, and so you're like, this is, this is kind of my my front, and so then we just went around the circle about about what they drew, and one guy said, yeah, so I drew my my crooked nose because my nose is crooked because uh, I broke it when I was a kid, you know, fighting with my little brother, and someone else is talking about their small eyes, and someone else is talking about their double chin. And, and we're all like, none of us ever noticed any of that. It's like the things that I notice about myself, my little, you know, my little bald spot or my little, whatever, you know, they're big deals to me. Nobody knows that nobody sees that, you know? And it's the same thing when we're speaking like, Oh mom, Oh, I forgot that whole, that whole section. Well, who cares? Right. And so so I, I think um, maybe for me, I was really lucky because I, I kind of came of age, you know, 24, 24 to 58 here in uh, here in uh, in Asia. Um, a lot of opportunities come my way because I speak, na- I'm a native English speaker. And, you know, and so and, and, I, and I'm, I am pretty good um
0: (laughs) let's throw that in there let's not yeah yeah. I mean I
1: I am I I I admit it I'm more than just a native English speaker um and I am pretty good but there's all kinds of things that come at you that you think how am I doing you know I'm flying to Malaysia to speak to the top 100 leaders of Nestle about something and you know I was like oh god you know Like, like they're paying me to go all this way for this. This is like 10 years ago. The first time I got paid to fly for a business class for, for a 45 minute gig, you know, and I charged the full day rate for 45 minutes. And I, and like, you know, you know, that, that imposter syndrome thing, um, a good friend of mine recently reframed imposter syndrome. Um, and she calls it pioneer syndrome.
0: Talk to us about that.
1: Well, you know. If I'm pioneering in my life, if I'm pushing myself out of the boundaries, you know, you think about America, those, those people that left the the East Coast, you know, and went to frickin Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, the first ones to get there. I'm from Seattle, you know none of them knew where that was going. None of, knew, none of them knew what was going on. And I'm sure all of them were, had tons of times like, oh, why did we leave? <laughs> why did we leave Boston? Why did we leave, you know, <laughs> South Carolina? What are we doing? This is insane. Right. Right. But they're pioneers. And when you're a pioneer, then you kind of think, well, Hey, we're pioneers. We got to, we forget that in our lives, every freaking day we are pioneering. Yeah. The next thing we do. Yeah. And so, If you're not feeling that nervousness, if you're not getting sweaty palms or whatever, then you're probably playing it just a little too safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, so take those pioneering opportunities because that's, that's where opportunity is. Mm -hmm.
0: I like that. I, that, wow, just reframing that thinking that's associated with fear and where you're questioning yourself, what do I think I'm doing? Charging a full day's rate for a, yeah. but and 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 I just kind of want to get into some speaker business talk here. Yeah. Let's be clear. If you yeah. are having to leave your office, fly somewhere. Even if you're presenting for only 45 minutes, let's talk about the 45 minutes. What they're getting is your decades of expertise and yes. your knowledge and your yeah. knowledge, right? So they're not getting 45 minutes. They're getting all of the Jimbo Clark experience. Yeah. And
1: yeah. then if
0: you're getting back on you know, whatever roadway, whatever airway, yeah. you are gone for a full day. So it is a full day. Oh, yeah. engagement. So everybody do not be afraid to charge a full day for yep. a one-hour engagement or 45-minute engagement, especially if it's going to take you away from your office for the full day yeah. or what, whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah. Listen, just call me up. If you ever have any trepidation, everybody out there, <laughs> Yeah. about your fee, I will set you straight. We will walk
1: yeah. through it. <laughs> that's great. And, and, and hey, if you're listening, you really got to take her up on that because I think that's the hardest part. It's so much harder... To charge for an engagement than it is to prepare and give one.
0: Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Because I can prepare and give one even if I don't think, you know, maybe it's something new and all, but I'm going to charge for this, you know, and am I worth it? And, and it's it's one of those things where like consulting, training, uh speaking, um, it's different than say coaching. Coach, if I want to coach, I gotta have a license. You know, but but the barrier to entry is so low that as long as you got the confidence and you're you're able to hold you will have you get yourself in front of the microphone then you can do it and so then that's why that imposter syndrome is so big because you know it's like like we're the uh what is it the tin man you know and, and wizard of oz who thinks i'm not smart enough because i don't have a a degree or whatever um and and that's why this is 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 such a beautiful opportunity for people because like exactly what we said, you have a lifetime of expertise of living your life and your perspective. And all you have to do is be willing to say yes. When someone says, can you put it on the line? Yeah. And if you don't know how to, how to, how to charge for yourself, get a friend. And when they get a friend and just say, Oh yes. You, you, oh, you're talking about fees. Um, yeah. I have an agreement. You need to talk to my agent.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then that agent can be Bridget McGowan. Yes,
1: or somebody else. (laughs) I I just, I literally, I just, I just did this this last week um, where uh, myself and a a colleague of mine in America, were both talking to the same company and we realized, hey, we're both talking to the same company. Why don't we just put our conversations together? Um, She was there first, but they kind of bought my idea. And so I said, why don't you do the contracting? Through your company you were there first so you already have a relationship um you can do the contracting and then you take out your your fee you know what she charged two thousand dollars more than i would have and she and i was thinking oh i'll probably just go it's so expensive these days i'll just i'll just ask for economy plus you know No, she said no it's business because i'm flying halfway around the world i'm flying i'm flying to uk right and she's like you know so in the end my my fees are more, even make, giving her her piece, and I'm talent instead of negotiator and deliverer. So I, I mean, Bridge is making a beautiful uh, offer here. Um, it, it it's it's how I was able to raise my fees was because I wasn't able to raise my fees. It's and so I started working with other people who do the yeah. contracting and I gave them a percentage um, because I don't do good at that. I do at this. And then money. all of a sudden they're making money. I'm making money. I don't have to chase the money. All of a sudden they say, oh, I sent the money to you. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, it's I, I mean, it's it can be incredibly uncomfortable and uncomfortable, especially if you're so passionate about what mm, you do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And 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 so my assistant handles the contracts and negotiations and all that good stuff. I mean, I'm, I'll do it if I have to, as right. you can tell. Right. Yeah. I'm, not huge, I'm not a huge fan of it. And I wasn't always a huge fan of it because I would sit and think, Oh, is that mm, I don't know if that's yeah. asking too much. I, yeah. And oh, uh, right, and I'm sitting here all of these limiting beliefs and self doubt yeah. is entering and oh, who am I to think that they're going to pay me x for that? Yeah. So that I I didn't always feel this comfortable and confident yeah. when it comes to negotiating and mm-hmm. discussing fees. And although I feel very comfortable with it now, I just let my assistant handle it because yeah. Creating the talk, uh, designing the presentation. That's that's so much more interesting to me. And she's perfectly fine with handling it. Yeah. And if and if something sticky comes up, it kind of keeps me out of the picture. Yep. Yep. And yep. it's like that yep. that's finance, that's that that's over in that department. And so it keeps yep. me separate from it and it keeps that energy. Yep.
1: <laughs> and and <that's, laughs> I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say that was the word I was gonna bring because they're buying this i always tell myself this people are not buying uh what i'm saying they're buying my energy yes um yeah. and so like when i when i travel for for work um so before 2020 80, more than 80% of my work required me to get on an international flight because taiwan is not my market it's where i live um so then i would get to the hotel i would lock myself in my room You know, I would hide the remote control and I'd be asleep by nine o'clock. You know, it's like like I don't want to, I don't want to go out even to eat something outside. I'll get because I'm the only person in the room who has to be 120%. And everybody else is coming from their their job that I'm the relief for. (laughs) And everyone else was working on the emails last night so they could have the time free to, to be there. And you know I can't be anything but energized and collected, and so I think I think here's another here's another big one and maybe people talk about this earlier self care holy crap self care is is probably the most important thing you can do as a speaker is just taking care of your health, taking care of your mental self, taking care of your relationships so that you're feeling loved and and, and making sure that you feel lovable to yourself i mean you know all of these things show up yeah on the stage and that's that's the that's the part of me that i can give that that loving part for me to fall in love with them i have to be in that space yeah, yeah. about myself yeah and then and then whether they do or not that's their that's their choice and um you know, you really have no idea what they what they're going through, and uh, I, you know, I guess here's here's another one. I'm sorry if I talk too much. You're I'm good.
0: You're good. I mean, this is what you do for a living. You speak.
1: So. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I so rarely talk to people about speaking. Yeah. Um, but you know, there have been a few times where I have taken an, uh, taken offense by people not being engaged in my workshops or in my speeches or my whatever.
0: How do you handle
1: that? Well, every time I have taken offense, it has bitten me later. Mm. Because later on, I find out, for example, that this person that I thought wasn't really paying attention and when they would go into the small pair work, wasn't really doing it. Oh, well, his house is flooding. Yes. And he's trying to help his wife who doesn't speak Chinese. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yes. And so, so... So I I kind of called him out and I made him lose a little bit of face. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, because I took offense, yeah. I took offense and when we take offense, it shows up, it shows up in our nonverbals. It shows yes. up in our tonality. And so I've just learned, that's why I say my, my, my job is to love them, you know, and if they're on the phone doing something great, I love you
0: love them as they are love them as they right let's take it back to church okay come as you are right (laughs) that's right (laughs) (laughs) and 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 here's the thing i had a similar experience i remember i think i was in uh it was either kentucky or ohio and i know neither one of those has anything to do with each other but i Mm. was at a company where they had offices in ohio kentucky new york Mm. and california and i know i wasn't in new york or california so it was one of those two locations i'll never forget there was a man in the audience and he had this look on his face where i'm i'm getting offended because i'm like is he not engaged does he Mm. not
1: like
0: hearing and that Mm. was just the look that was just his countenance jimbo that was just his countenance but back to the point that you were making if you have someone in your audience who does who appears not to engage it could be all kinds of things going on. I mean, they may have just gotten a critical email message from their boss. Like you said, yeah. it be funny and yeah. wife doesn't speak the language. Yeah. You may have gotten a call from your child's school. It could yeah. be all kinds of things. Yeah. So do not take it personally, just love them all as yep. they are.
1: <laughs> yeah, and what I, what I always think is, because a lot of my speaking engagements are one or two days where I'm working Mm -hmm. with them to really kind of do some serious uh, mindset shift and whatnot. And, and my barometer is, you know, once, once I see three people on their phone, that is either a design problem or a delivery problem, nothing to do with them, nothing to do with them because I let their I let their mind wander. And so if, If I let their wine maunder, maybe I'm monologuing a little too much. Maybe I'm taking down a little thing. So then I got to shift the energy. Yep. That's my cue.
0: I I have been saying that for years. If you find that things are not working well, you have a quote unquote distracted audience Mm -hmm. member. either they don't like the message, they don't like the way it's been being delivered or three, there's something else going on. But if you have quote unquote, a large number of people who are disinterested or distracted. Okay, I guarantee you it's either a delivery issue or a message is- issue, a yeah. content issue. Now, yeah. in, in a in a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to ask me a question. We can mm. go on forever, my goodness. It's mm, 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 mm. yeah. totally good. We can go down <laughs> these rabbit holes, but they're not rabbit mm. holes. They're real sure. concerns in the speaking yeah. world because that sure. can get you off your game. And so it's sure. important for you to either realize, uh, is this you or is it the audience in terms of that one person has something that he or she is dealing with? And if it's you, you can either try to course correct right there on the spot, which Mm -hmm. requires skill, but it can Mm -hmm. be done. You do an assessment of, like you were saying, am I going on too long with Mm -hmm. this monologue? Am I telling too many Mm -hmm. personal stories? Do Mm -hmm. I need to get Mm -hmm. more into some meat of the content? So either you adjust right there on the spot or afterwards, you say to yourself, how yeah. do I make sure this doesn't happen yeah. again? But it's really about being uh, responsible and cognizant of the fact that you need to do some adjustments. So yeah. here's yeah. my next question for you. Mm. And then you will be able to pose a question to me. What is one of your most memorable moments in speaking? And what made it so unforgettable?
1: Um. Well, the one that comes to mind, just, it's just because you mentioned it when you did the introduction, I was at the, um, it was my first, my first keynote uh, that I ever did. It was two, I just quit my job, just, you know, it was 2006, you know, and I'm, I'm just going out there and I got the keynote at the ATD conference uh, in, in the Philippines, got everything ready. And somehow my computer didn't get plugged in correctly. So five minutes in my computer just died. And of course I didn't know, I didn't know the problem was that it didn't get plugged in. I just knew it was dead. And so I thought to myself, okay, so either I can fiddle with the computer or we can just rock. And so I literally jumped off the stage and went into the audience and um started getting them to move their bodies. And um, we were talking about, uh, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. So I got them moving, I got them moving around. So we had 180 people um, that for the next 15 minutes didn't sit down. And I had, I must've had, and then, then we, after we did these different exercises and everything, it went back up on stage, closed it off. I had so many people to say, did you plan that? That was so natural. Um, and and like they, they couldn't believe that I could just jump away from the content and the slides and engage them. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so I think that's one of my more memorable times was just the fact that things went wrong, but I went right. Mm
0: that sounded Everybody. like michelle obama
1: didn't it i know right that was, that was
0: exactly <laughs> what go, i was thinking. when they go
1: low we go high right <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when things go wrong i go right you go right yeah yeah I, I i've never heard it put that way mm. but that is it mm. That's the key. That's the answer. Because usually I'll tell people, oh, if you have some technology flub, do not let that consume you because the audience will remember what gets your attention, right? I'll never forget on my wedding day, I had not seen the sanctuary. I had not seen the sanctuary. And the minute they opened those doors, I saw those two large arrangements at the altar. And I was furious. That was not how I had described that I Uh-oh. want those right. to look. Right. I was, I mean, here we are. We've been married 16 plus years. I'm still mad about those flowers.
1: <laughs> I noticed that.
0: <laughs> you picked up on that ever since
1: so I just picked up on that. I'm not sure.
0: And so I could have in that moment, yeah. just had oh, yeah. a bridezilla moment, or sure. I said to myself, people are going to remember what gets my attention. I'm going to slap this smile on my face Mm -hmm. and go down Mm -hmm. the aisle to my prince and and become Mrs. Aaron Hawkins and keep it moving. Right. And then in the reception hall, I remember there was something else that I saw that I didn't like, and I'm just, I'm just boiling mad all over (laughs) me. But again, it's like, they're going to remember what gets your attention. And so for your mm. audience, they didn't remember the tech flub. Maybe they did. Mm. But it was like it was the impetus to an amazing experience that yeah. they will never forget when things go yeah. wrong. You go right. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Me. Well the the funny thing is my question is is is, is similar to that, which is what was a time when uh things went wrong for you and that you what but but you innovated in a way where things came out better than you could have imagined?
0: How much time do we have, Jimbo? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I've had the tech fails. Yeah, I have had an activity that didn't seem to quite go just right. I Mm. remember one time I was doing an activity. It was at Phoenix Startup Week. This must have been either 2018, 2019, March. Mm. And I distinctly remember this one. My husband never goes to presentations with me. I can count on one hand Mm. the number of presentations Mm. he attended with me. He happened to attend this one with me. I don't remember exactly why. Mm. However, I had an activity where audience members had to move from one side of the room or the Mm -hmm. other Mm. to identify their position relative to a question that I put up or point, you know, a a polarizing point that I put up. And there was someone in the audience who was wheelchair bound. And so it wasn't as easy to move back and forth across the room. Well, he became that person's, my husband became that person's uh, uh, representative and oh, he, he he asked
1: oh where,
0: yeah where 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 do you want to go you, you tip yeah. point me where you want right and and so and he that person was able to more easily yeah. participate yeah. uh I, I need to ask him he just pulled up too i need to yeah. ask him if he remembers that so uh. that was that was and i don't consider uh. that a fail but it was no, just no, no. Me in that moment where i'm sitting here like oh my goodness like The minute I saw the person come in, in the wheelchair, I said, Bridget, you did not think through this because Mm
1: -hmm. the fact
0: that somebody might be on crutches or whatever, and you've got these people running sprints, you did not plan for this chick. So what do you know? Uh, So I I wouldn't call it a fail, but it was definitely a teachable moment. And I'm going to ask the audience, the listeners to think of this. Mm -hmm. When it comes to a hiccup, Look at it not so much as a fail or mistake mm-hmm. or misstep, but as a moment for you to improve your facilitation delivery, your presentation delivery, and make yourself even a better, uh, a, an even better speaker. Like, how do you yeah. learn from this? So next time when you design the activity, you can try to account for as many scenarios as you can. You can't be perfect, but how can you improve from there? That was a great question, Jimbo.
1: And I think it comes back to that whole thing of of me caring for myself, me caring for my energy. Doesn't matter what happens, as long as I am there giving myself to the audience, they appreciate it, right? But when I become self-obsessed, (laughs) self-absorbed, when I'm loving myself more than I'm loving them, (laughs) you know, and I'm getting precious with things. Then they notice that too, right? And um, you know, so so I, yeah, I I I I I think the for me at least, all these things we talk about it and what you just said there, it's just about being authentic and and yeah. and and learning from it. Yeah, yeah beautiful. I like that story. I, I love I love I love the way. Next next time we get together, we'll I, I got some great stories about how my wife. Okay, just just a very very one minute story. Do it, in, do it, Jimbo. I, okay, so I was. <laughs> I was working with the, the senior leadership team um, in Malaysia for a big multinational coming with a, a strategic planning and I made a mistake. And in that mistake, it meant that half the group did not prepare for the program the way they were supposed to. And so while half of the people were out having drinks and enjoying life, half of them were inside the room, getting their plans ready for the next day. Cause I, I had misunderstood the leader, and I didn't think we were presenting plans. We were. I am texting my wife. I'm literally standing behind a, a, a flip chart stand, texting my wife, crying. I think I I broke the trust because I'd known these guys for three years. I broke the trust. Every, everyone looked at me when I said we have to have plans tomorrow. Usually, to seemed they're like, no, no. You know, I lost the trust. I lost the respect. You know, these people hate me. You know. Um, I failed all these things. I'm just, I'm hiding behind the flip chart stand, typing this to my wife and my wife, my wife. I don't know if you, do you know Reiki? Have you ever heard of Reiki? It's like energy work. My wife's yes. like, would you like me to do a long distance Reiki session for you? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, please. You know, <laughs> and of course the next day when I talk to these people, they understand, they understand, they, you know, they didn't hate me, it, it, but it's it's that. You know there are always going to be these moments where things don't go the way we want and uh yeah so i learned i learned to be more careful in in my questioning and designing of uh, program to make sure that we're giving everybody the right information so they know what they're doing yeah
0: yes those pre-event questions yeah. are so key as a matter of fact i am presenting a workshop at Fort Valley State University in Mm. the coming weeks. And I always reach out to my contact before the event. Like We've already gone through all the conversations and the contract Mm. and the negotiations, all of that. But even after we've nailed everything down and confirmed everything, I still circle back anywhere from a week to a month before the Mm. engagement. Like during the holiday season, if I'm going to speak at an event in early January I'm circling back with you about a month beforehand because yeah, after yeah. December 15 all you're thinking about is eggnog mistletoe and whatever in the states
1: yeah. so uh
0: so I, and then I will lay out I am preparing to present to x number of people on this topic mm-hmm. for this amount of time thank you for providing x y and z if any of you know so on and so forth I had yeah. this whole template And I will add, if any of this is incorrect, please contact me within the next 48 hours so (laughs) I can make sure I nail nail it down. That's just part of my programming, if you will, or my process. Because I I had a moment one time many years ago, I thought I was presenting to a room full of, I think I thought it was going to be math professors, but it ended up being English professors or the other way around. I can't remember.
1: Right, right, right. Right. To totally. Yeah. I mean, they're arts and
0: sciences, yeah. but yeah. different yeah. disciplines. And yeah. I had to make some quick adjustments. And uh, you know, and you know, somebody else at the company has set this up. This wasn't under my company. This was when I was mm. working for an ed tech company. Mm. And I'm sitting there. I'm, uh, who's who's coming? <laughs> and I didn't have anybody to call for a Reiki session.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You got to teach your husband. Hey, hey, honey, you got to go learn Reiki. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness! I'm Jimbo. sure he takes good
1: care of you just the way he is That's awesome. he's
0: fantastic yeah. he's the best he's the best okay, Jimbo. Hmm. the name of your company is called Integrate, which i absolutely Integrate. love i n n o g r e a t yeah. What do listeners need to know to be integrative and yeah. to speak outside the box when they speak
1: um I would say that if you wanna be outside your box when you speak, then um, recognize that our box is designed to keep you safe. And your box is designed to help you mitigate risk. And, and your, your, your unconscious thinking is designed to make you look good and keep you safe. And most of that is not gonna help you in speaking. What's gonna help you in speaking is to let go of the facade, and take the box off and be real with people. Um, in a controlled, structured, planned way. You, you know, you don't want to start talking about werewolves or whatever. You know, it's you, you want, yes, you wanna you wanna keep it in a controlled, structured, planned way with enough flexibility in what you're saying so that you can be real. Because authenticity always wins.
0: Everybody head over to barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, wherever you love to purchase your books. Jimbo is a contributing author to the North American Simulation and Games Association Training Activity Book. I know there are some activities in there that will take your presentation to the next level. Also, make sure you visit Jimbo's website, Innograte.com. That's I N N O. G R E A T dot com to book Jim to speak at your next event. As you can tell, you nor your audience will be disappointed. Jimbo Clark, it's been fantastic you having having you on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Such a pleasure. I really enjoyed this more than I probably should.
0: I know, right? Yeah, it's it crazy. We yeah, talked about yeah. presentation skills. How lame? Yeah, yeah. no, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate your enthusiasm and just the richness of the conversation. And I appreciate the listeners. This is Bridget and Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.